We're going to be going to the uh, book of Philippians in the New Testament, chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 5 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It's, this is not new. Everybody recognizes this. Uh, but um, we do got, we got a, a new fresh word that God gave me uh, to speak from this this morning. Paul told the church at Philippi, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Let me stop right there. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a new uh, study series on Wednesday night about the essence and concept of true biblical worship. And we talked this past Wednesday night that worship, real worship, ain't got a thing to do with us. It's not about us. It's all about Him. We got too many churches today, too many preachers, that when they get to the house of God, they want to shine the spotlight on them. Let me tell you something, church. The spotlight shouldn't be on me. It ought to be on Jesus. Hallelujah. We got a lot of musicians, amen. They want to, when they get up to play, they want to, uh, show their prowess in, in, uh, in being able to play and, uh, and, and take pride in their talents and what they do. Same way with singers and, and, and everything else. But listen, this thing is not about us. It's all about Him. Jesus Himself did not make, He didn't create His own reputation. Hallelujah. He didn't try to shine the spotlight on Himself. Amen. While He was here. And neither should we. We should remain to give him all the glory and all the praise of whatever is done. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Hallelujah. Move on to the next one. Hallelujah. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Amen. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and the things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We're going to focus on this last verse right there. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is Lord. Fathers, we come today, we thank you and we praise you, God, for the privilege to be in your house on this beautiful day you have given us. And now, God, we ask, God, that you would take these next few minutes, anoint us today to deliver the words you have placed upon my heart to share to the people today. I pray, God, that hearts will be touched, lives will be changed, broken spirits be mended right now in the holy, mighty name of Jesus. Take us another level higher today in our knowledge of you. And all's accomplished and all said and done. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you a little, little bit today on a subject titled, What It Means to Call Him Lord. What it means to call him Lord. 
Now, there's not a shadow of a doubt in our minds that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think anybody who attends church that uh, professes the name of Christ will will say that and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. We understand that. But in our world today and in the change in mind, how, how churches has changed so much uh, in the years that I have uh, been around. Sometimes we need to go back and recheck and get a fresh understanding of what it means to call Him Lord. We understand, Brother Jeff, He's Lord. But do we understand what it means to call Him Lord? Hallelujah. There's a big difference. Now, in the New Testament, Lord is the most frequently used title for Jesus Christ. When Peter was declaring the first gospel message at Pentecost, he told how Jesus assumed that title. We find that in Acts chapter 2 and verse uh, 36. Therefore, this is the words of Peter on Pentecost. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So that is how Jesus obtained that title. Hallelujah. Now before I go any further, I want want to take you in in a definition of the original language written about what it what what this word means now the Greek word for Lord, if you've ever looked it up in in Strong's or uh, some other uh, uh, biblical dictionary, the Greek word for for Lord is kurios. That's how it's pronounced, kurios. And this is what it means. And try to get a hold of this and remember this. Kurios means supremacy or supreme in authority. Now, when it's used as a noun, it means controller. Wow. By implication, master. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding. It means whoever's considered Lord has the control and he has the power of deciding everything that he owns. The possessor and disposer of a thing. The owner of one who has control. You find, we're going to find out, like I said, what it means to call him Lord. And if we truly, honestly, in our own lives, call Jesus the Lord of our life. Let's look at the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is Adon, and the plural of it is Adonai. You've heard that Adonai, it's been put in songs. It means to rule, sovereign, controller, Lord, master, and owner. It denotes one who is uh, who is, uh, is possessed with absolute control as a master of slaves. 
All that is directly from the dictionary. I have added nothing. Now there are many in the world today who love to call Jesus Savior. Amen. A lot of people love to call Him Savior. But only a few who honestly can or even desire to call Him Lord. But I declare to you today that if you desire for Him to be your Savior, then you must, Brother Wayne, know Him as Lord. Because unless He becomes the Lord of your life, He will not be the Savior of your life on Judgment Day. I need to get an amen out of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't, the, the modern church world, they love this thing about He's my Savior. And he does this, 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 and this for me. But when you start pinning down, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And you a lot of people, yeah, they call him Lord. But what did Jesus tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees back in his day? He, he asked them a question. He said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Hallelujah. See, it's one thing to call him Lord, but when we really mean when we know what it means to call Him Lord, when we understand the meaning of that name. So in view of the importance of knowing Jesus as Lord, I want us to consider this morning what it means to call Him Lord. Now there are two areas that I want to talk about this morning dealing with what it means to call Him Lord. The first one is we must understand that we have been bought. Put it up, that one up there. We must understand, amen, that we have been bought. <laughs> A lot of folks don't like that. But when we understand the meaning of what it is to call Jesus Lord, and we can truly say and understand that He's the Lord of our life, we got to understand what it means to be bought. Take us to a scripture that we already know really well. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Question mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not, what? Your own. Next verse. For ye are bought... With a price. Oh, hallelujah. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hallelujah. Amen. You cannot truly call Him Lord unless you understand all about that. Amen. There's a lot of people do not want to let control of their lives. But to be to make Jesus the Lord of your life... You're going to have to let, let go. What, what is that song that, the, uh, that is sung in the secular world? Jesus, take the wheel. Hallelujah. Too many of you like to do the driving. <laughs> Come on now. Amen. Just like the license plate we see sometimes on some cars. God is my co-pilot. Well, if God is your co-pilot, you need to change seats. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. We need to give him total control. And there's something about this old flesh of ours, amen, that just rubs us the wrong. There's too many of us love to be in charge. Oh, hallelujah. 
Glory to God. But God says, hey, I'm the one in charge. Amen. Amen. And we got to focus on, on that. If you, now listen to this. He, he told us he had bought with a price. I want, to, I want to share something with you here. If you were bought, then you must acknowledge that the one who bought you has controlling ownership. It ain't your life. The biggest argument that women uh, have uh, about the sin of abortion, well, it's my body. Uh-uh, not, not, not if you claim Jesus as your Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. If you are bought, then you must acknowledge that the one who bought you has controlling ownership. Now, let me pose this to you. How many of us who go out and buy something with our hard-earned dollars, after we bought it and after we paid for it, just walk away and leave it in the hands of the one that we bought it from? Of course not. You go out and you spend your hard-earned dollars on something, you're going to claim ownership. Come on, somebody. You're going to claim ownership. You're going to take possession. Hallelujah. And if you just paid X amount of thousand dollars for a new bass boat and you look out your window and somebody else has got his truck hitched up to it fixing to pull it off to take it to uh, Kentucky Lake, I guarantee you, you're going to move faster than you moved in many years. Hello. Glory to God. And you're going to have two people with you, Smith and Wesson. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. There, there's a few situations you get to in life that you need, you need a couple people to go along with you. That's Smith and Wesson. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. But I mean, that's, that's, just, that's, just, that's just plain facts. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, that being the case, and that being said, why do we expect or demand of Christ to simply walk away and leave us to our own control when he purchased us with his hard-earned work on Calvary. We talk about our hard-earned work and our hard-earned dollars. How hard did Jesus work at Calvary to bring you salvation? Hallelujah. How hard did Jesus have to work, amen, to cause you to be able to get deliverance and to be healed and become whole? Woo. My Lord. He bought us. He's got a controlling interest in us. When you knelt down to the altar and gave your heart to Christ, if you truly repented, then I'm going to tell you what happened. If you truly repented, then you gave, you signed over your whole being, lock, stock, and barrel to Jesus Christ. Come on. You handed it all over to him if you really repented. And that means he's got controlling interest, ownership. That's what being Lord means. Hallelujah. That means, Ronnie, that I can't make a decision in my life without asking him about it. That's one reason why people get themselves in so much trouble in hot water right now. A lot of people run around claiming to be Christians, they're all the time making decisions. Without going to God and talking.
once we realize that we have been bought and that we no longer own ourselves, then we got to relinquish lordship to everything else. The past has got to go. What you used to be attracted to should not attract you any longer. I want to share a scripture with you out of Isaiah that um, this scripture got a hold of me many years ago. Isaiah 26 verses 13 and 14. Now I want you to try to get a hold of the heart of Isaiah here. I want you to try to get into his heart and his soul when he made these, these, these comments and this prayer to God. He said, O Lord, our God, other lords beside thee have had dominion over us. But by thee only will we make mention of thy name. Wow. Think about that. O Lord, our God, other lords beside thee have had, notice, that have had is past tense. Dominion over us. But by thee only will we make mention of thy name. Next, ver next verse. And this is what he said. They are dead. <laughs> they shall not, oh, they shall not live. They are deceased. Now you begin to see why a lot of people who call Jesus Savior can't call him Lord. Because they hadn't killed a lot of the old lords that they were bound to in their past life. You've been going to church, worshiping, but you got some things in your life that's not deceased that should have been dead a long time ago. What was the purpose of baptism? To bury? Hallelujah. Amen. He's, but now, I like the second part. Not only are they deceased, they shall not rise. Hallelujah. Jim Bean ain't going to rise in my life. Jack Daniels ain't going to rise in my life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Walking around with my bottom lip stuck out like this. some of those areas if you really want to walk the walk first start talking to talk be positive be like Isaiah was hallelujah I don't, I don't believe Isaiah was without problem 
and mess ups when he spoke that to God, but he spoke that by faith. They're deceased. They're dead. They're buried. They're not going to rise. One reason why we can't walk in faith is because we keep too much negativity in our mind. Hallelujah. I've talked to people. I know, I know, I know some people. I know some people in our own assembly. Every, it amazes me when you, when you talk to them and they talk about a certain situation that they're going through. They always expect the worst outcome. They talk about the worst outcome. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get what you talk. The Bible says, by a man's word shall he be justified, and by his own word shall he be condemned. There's power in what you say. Hallelujah. You got to start church. Amen. And we're bringing a soul from the revival. You got to start claiming who you are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You're going to never have deliverance. Jesus will never be Lord of your life unless you start taking a stand for something and claiming it. Maybe you hadn't seen it all come to pass yet. You're still struggling. But that struggle don't matter as long as you're looking to Jesus. That's where grace comes in. That's where grace comes in. We got to relinquish lordship to all others. All the things which we bowed down to in the past were destroyed by the power of the cross when we repented and was baptized in the precious name of Jesus. They are dead. Look at somebody. Tell them that. They're dead. Hallelujah. They're dead. Take that stance right now. Maybe some of them have been pulling at you. Maybe some of them have been causing you to struggle. But just say it over and every morning when you get up, the first thing you say, and every night when you lay down, the last thing you say, you need to claim it in Jesus' name that this thing in my life, call it by name, it's dead, it's dead, it's deceased, and it won't arise. Come on, I'm telling you how to get delivered this morning. destroyed. They're dead. They're deceased. <laughs> but you know what? Here's something I wonder about. If those things are dead and deceased, all the other loves in our life, all the other lords in our life that we used to run after, if they're dead and they're deceased, why do we continue to carry around our little black book filled with their names and contact numbers? Now you've you've heard about the the player, the playboy, carrying around a little black book with all kind of names of different ladies. He looks through and says, I'm going to give this one a call tonight. He looks through, I'm going to give this dozen one a call this night. But 
he truly falls in love and he gets a hold of that one beautiful lady. What's supposed to happen to that black book? That's it. That's the same way with Jesus Christ. Come on. We shouldn't be carrying a black book around with all our past vices and lords and things that's had control over us. See, that's what the Bible says about don't give place to the devil. Hallelujah. My Lord. Amen. If, if, I, if I had a problem uh, after I come to God uh, <laughs> passing a particular beer joint or beer tavern or dance hall or whatever thing in the world after I come to Christ that every time that I pass it, I'm feeling drawn into it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go I'm gonna go around. Even if I have to go out of the way, I'm going to drive a different way. I'm not going to give the devil a place in my life. Hallelujah. If you give the devil in, she's going to take a mile. If you pick the devil up on the side of the road and let him in your car, pretty soon he's going to end up driving. Come on. Hallelujah. we got to relinquish the lordship to all of us. Hallelujah. If we are to make Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives, then we must relinquish the ties to everything which held our, our attention. I'm going to be straight, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you as much truth right now as you've ever heard. But when you really come to Christ, and you decide to make him the Lord of your life, same way no more. You don't talk the same way no more. And matter of fact, if you really let Jesus make a change in your life, those, those old friends and those old people you used to hang out with, they ain't going to have fun being with you no more. Hallelujah. They'll say hello. How you been doing? But, uh, they, they don't want you, they don't want, they ain't going to invite you to their party after they find, find out that you don't partake of the stuff that you used to partake of. Two or three of them get together and say, we're going to throw a bash on it. And somebody say, well, let's invite so-and-so. Oh, no, no, he'll just be a wet, wet blanket at our party. Hallelujah. But I, I'm telling you, I, I know this from experience and by facts, folks. I have counseled with too many people down, down, down through the years. There are people who once had a relationship with God that are backslid today and without God because they weren't willing to cut the ties to some old friendships. And the devil will whisper in your ear to give you, well, I'm trying to win them to cry. Bull and hogwash. There's some, th 
things that you cannot get around once you make a decision to make Lord of your life. You can pray for them, send somebody else to witness to them, but you stay away from them because they'll drag you back down to the pits of hell. It's a truth anyhow. Hallelujah. So we got to relinquish the ties to everything that used to hold our attention, that used to hold our loyalty, and that used to hold our desires. I'm, I'm wrapping up, fixing to close. As the scripture said in Isaiah, they're dead, they shall not live, and most importantly, they shall not arise. <coughs> if you're struggling, with old habits, with whatever situation, I would, I would, I would get me a little notepad. I would write down the things that I used to bow to, the things that used to be Lord. If that thing is alcohol, I'd write on a piece of paper, alcohol, and then out beside it I'd say, you are dead, you're deceased, you're buried, and you will not arise in my life. If you do that by faith and trust God, he will take care of it for you. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll just slowly stroll away. No, he'll flee. He'll run. So I, I admonish you, if anybody's having any trouble with anything like that, <coughs> write it down. Hallelujah. Call it, call it out. Claim it. Whatever it may be, you're dead. You're deceased. Because I, from this day on, want to call him the Lord of my life. I want him to be the controller. I want him to have ruling authority. I want him to be able to tell me something and I'll listen to it. And I'll yield to him. I won't quit this spirit. What it means to call him Lord. Let's stand together right now. <coughs> I'm going to go to the keyboard and I'm going to sing an old chorus. We sang a lot. We ain't sung in a good while. This just come to my mind while I was singing. Uh, while I was ministering. If anybody, this message at all has spoken to you in any way, I'm asking you to please don't respond to me. Respond to the word of God. 